From the Whiskey Tangent Studios in Marlton, New Jersey, this is Whiskey Tangent News. Hey everybody, this is Ed from the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, here with another edition of Whiskey News. And joining me as always is Scott. Hey everybody. And he, along with me, is going to tell you what we're going to do today. All right. So in today's edition of Whiskey News, we have stories, as we always do, involving the whiskey industry, three of them. We have some legal news, Mm -hmm. but not true crime, which is interesting. Right. Don't be disappointed, though, because we do have true crime. Yeah. Three of those, sometimes fun, sometimes sad, yeah. but never boring. Never. Then we're going to talk about all the new whiskeys that you can buy this month, if you can find them. Mm-hmm. And finally, what's coming up on your favorite whiskey podcast in August? And then also ours. And then ours. <laughs> Are we going to tell them what Fred Biddy's doing? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> All right, so industry news, legal news, true crime. Scott, where are we at? Yeah. How are you doing, Scott? How's everything going? Good. Everything's fine. So it is July 2023, and here's all the news that's fit to drink. Uh, So in addition to the stories that Ed introduced, we have a top story that is legal news and also industry news Mm -hmm. together. This is an update. You ready? Yeah. Top story from BBC.com. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled on the Jack Daniels dog toy case. Oh my God, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. So as we reported on the December 2022 news, Jack Daniels' parent company, Brown Foreman, had taken VIP products to court over a dog toy, claiming that it violated their trademarks. After a lower court had found that the toy was a non-commercial parody subject to First Amendment protections, Brown Foreman took it all the way to the Supreme Court, which has finally handed down its ruling. To recap the dispute, the Bad Spaniel Silly Squeaker is a rubber dog toy that looks a lot like a Jack Daniels bottle, but with several lighthearted dog-related alterations. For example, the words old number seven brand Tennessee sour mash whiskey are replaced with the old number two on your Tennessee carpet. <laughs> but the Killjoy executives at Jack Daniels felt that the toy makers were not only profiting from their brand's hard earned goodwill, but they were also forcing consumers to associate their whiskey with dog excrement. Well, I would say any advertisement's good advertisement. Well, right. Lawyers for VIP products countered that their clients were simply following a half century of parody, tradition, everything from Weird Al Yankovic to Garbage Pail Kids. Mm-hmm. However, in a unanimous decision, Wow, that's rare for this court. Exactly. Last Thursday, the top U.S. court found that the toy manufacturer did not have First Amendment protections against Jack Daniels' claim of trademark infringement. Furthermore, Justice Elena Kagan, writing for the court, stated that even though consumers are not likely to think that the maker of a mocked product is itself doing the mocking, the dog toy bears too many similar features that are legal trademarks of Jack Daniels. But all is not lost for VIP products because this decision merely overrules the lower court's ruling and throws it back to that lower court to reanalyze the case Hmm. so this story may not be over quite yet I mean, to me, it's a David and Goliath. I don't know who VIP dog toys are, but I'm sure right. they don't have the money of the brown foreman. No. And so what you hope is that they end up with a cease and desist. Maybe they don't have to pay like millions of dollars and right. that was going right. to bankrupt the company. And then dogs everywhere will be deaf, like just chewing sticks again, like it's the 1800s. <laughs> you know, they'd have to chew actual bottles of Jack Daniels. <laughs> they don't even squeak. <laughs> right. Sticks don't squeak. No, no. They squeak it's when they're- little toy. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Dan Aykroyd from Saturday Life. Yeah, it's our big product. It's a, it's a big bag of glass. <laughs> big bag. Big bag of glass. <laughs> That's one of our big sellers. Safe there. for the kids. Yeah, so it's a medical waste. It's a medical waste uh, coming out for the kids. <laughs> it was a bag of needles. Yeah. yeah. It's like Dan Aykroyd did it back in the 70s, the original SNL, yeah. uh, not ready for primetime players. He would have terrible, like a literally like, bag of broken glass was one of the toy products he put out for yeah. kids. One of my favorite skits. Yeah. Okay. So in industry news. 
from PR Newswire, Redemption Whiskey announces a new master blender. Late last month, Lexington, Kentucky-based whiskey producer Redemption proudly introduced Alan Kennedy as the brand's new master blender. With nearly two decades of experience, Alan will lead all aspects of production and innovation and continue its mission to revive rye to its former glory by bringing what used to be America's most popular spirit before Prohibition back to the forefront of whiskey culture. Hailing from Nashville, Tennessee, Alan started his career as a classically trained pastry chef before shifting his focus to the world of wine and spirits. In 2019, he was appointed master blender of Lexington Distilling company's town branch whiskey oh making yeah. him one of the youngest master blenders on the kentucky bourbon trail at the time it was in this role that alan cultivated his own unique whiskey making style blending whiskeys that recall a memory or a feeling and sharing them with the world or as he puts it <laughs> siobhan oh he says i think this whiskey reminds me of 1985 <laughs> pac-man machine that's right <laughs> Or as he puts it, whiskeys with a soul. Said Tom Stefanski, president of Redemption's parent company, Dutch Family Wine and Spirits, we are in constant, relentless pursuit of making the best American whiskey possible. And Alan is exactly the right professional to help us achieve that goal as we dream up new, delicious, and evocative rye-forward innovations. You know, I have to say, for a company the size of Redemption, I would changing the master blender must be pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. First of all, I didn't even know they blended that much. Uh, so I'm learning a little bit about that as well. Yeah, apparently they haven't had a master blender for a long time because yeah. their old one left to another company. And right. I guess they felt that they needed one at this time as they start to make new products. Right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So uh, another rye-related story from Whiskey Advocate. Woodford Reserve dives deep into Kentucky rye. Hmm. Even though there are a plethora of great Kentucky bourbons and rye whiskeys, yep. most people aren't aware that virtually all of the rye grains in those whiskeys come from outside the bluegrass state. Hmm. The chief reason for this is that the traditionally cold weather crop tends to wilt in the Kentucky summer heat and humidity, and as such, rye is primarily used as a cover crop between harvest of the state's two dominant grains, corn and soybeans. But about five years ago, Woodford Reserve embarked on a plan to research and develop rye as a Kentucky grain, launching a partnership with the University of Kentucky and local farmers. And just last week, they announced a deeper dive, securing commitments from two farmsteads over the next five years to start growing the new rye strains. Other deals are expected soon, and Woodford will purchase all of the rye yield from them. I mean, Woodford's known to be a grain-to-glass distillery. Mm -hmm. They are still one of the most delicious bourbons. I don't really know that the other stuff they've done has been that great. The wheat is not that good. No. The rye actually isn't that great. The rye's not that great. Compared to like the Knob Creek rye, which is great. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you have a choice, it's the same price range. I'm going Knob Creek any day of the week. Absolutely. And the single malts, okay. Oh, yeah. And this is my origin story. I have nothing but respect for Wood Reserve, but sometimes there's a lot of pressure to expand your brand vertically and horizontally because everyone's doing it. Yeah. And so I'm not really sure what happened with their wheat. Maybe some people love it, and I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, whiskeytangent.gmail.com, please tell us <laughs> right away what you're feeling. In my mind, it's kind of like Oreos for me. Oreos has 15 different Oreos. Yeah. They have like yeah, cotton yeah, yeah. candy, apple pie. Mm-hmm. You know, they have mint. All decent cookies, mm-hmm. but they're not as good as the double stuff. Right. Just, it's a good analogy because yeah. I actually like the original Oreo. Yeah. Don't even double stuff it. No, I, I, I think the world knows I'm a double stuff guy. <laughs> yeah. But I understand. I respect that. I'm certainly not going to trash you for liking the original Oreo, which is basically what I like with a little less filling. Right. Um, the rye's not bad. The Woodford Reserve rye is not bad. It just yeah. isn't, you know, I guess we expect some exceptional things from certain companies. Yeah. And so I think when you come out with just an okay rye, which Woodford did, it hurts you. I didn't mean to go on this Woodford tangent, but I think it's relevant. But here's the most interesting thing is that, curiously, even though they did all this thing with the research and the rye in five years, they're going to get all this grain. And by the way, maybe this will make their rye better. 
Maybe, but there are no plans for Woodford to produce its own rye whiskey from these grains. And the ultimate goal is apparently to use it for their bourbon mash bill, which is 18% rye. Even so, master distiller Elizabeth McCall said recently, this does, however, open the door to exploring widening our innovation pipeline so we could potentially see new heritage rye expressions in both our master's collection and distillery series. (laughs) I feel like MGP is like, why are you trying so hard? I know. He's like, like a little Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. You know we got enough rye whiskey. All right, all right. We could cover the world <laughs> one foot right. deep in rye whiskey. Right. We could fill a third of the ocean with the rye whiskey we have right now. That's right. So, as you know, Scott and I have talked to MGP because we're like, you know, you're giving so many people that 95.5, you're going to run out of it. They're like, oh, we are not. <laughs> no. They laughed. Like, we are not going to run out of that. And, you know, in our whiskeymentary, I predicted that they will shape the future of whiskey in this country. They will be at one point, if not the biggest thing in the whiskey industry, one of the top five. They may already be one of the top five. Right. right. Yeah. My only concern is you're going to start to compete with yourself. When you're selling rye whiskey to six other companies and you bought three companies, now those three companies are competing with the six that you're supplying. You're basically supplying your competitors with good whiskey. Yeah, and that's why they got their own brands, I think. So what happens when one day they just have enough brands of their own and they just pull the plug on everybody else and they're, you know, Bullet Rye is shit out of luck and Angel Envy Rye is shit out of luck and they're like, they got to go scramble to get some of that Woodford Reserve Rye laying around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also actually interesting you say that because we have a, a story coming up later that might answer that question. All right, cool. Yeah. Actually, not later. Right now. Oh my God. The future is now, everybody. (laughs) So from Whiskey Advocate, Kentucky Peerless Master Distiller and their COO will depart for a new venture. Shut up. Yeah. So Peerless puts out some good stuff. Caleb Kilburn, Kentucky Peerless's Master Distiller and their Chief Operating Officer, Cordell Lawrence, are leaving the company to launch a new distillery. As lovers. (laughs) No. In Eastern (laughs) Kentucky called Eastern Light Distilling. The venture will be built from the ground up near the town of Moorhead, Okay, maybe then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People wonder why we don't have more sponsors. I know, I know. About 66 miles east of Lexington, representing an investment of more than $140 million. Damn. The business plan calls for Eastern Light to become a custom contract distiller for craft whiskey makers, a model similar to that of Bardstown Bourbon Company and MGP. The new facility will have a production capacity of 90,000 barrels annually and will produce a variety of whiskeys, including bourbons and ryes, but not limited to either. Kilburn joined Peerless in 2014 at the age of 22 as head distiller and quickly emerged as something of a wonderkind in the whiskey world, producing expressions that were young and yet highly rated. In 2017, the Kentucky Peerless Straight Rye finished at number 15 on Whiskey Advocate's top 20 list, and four years later, its Double Oak ranked at number 8. The Double Oak is freaking delicious. Yeah. I mean, the first time I bought it, I thought it was a little over overpriced you know what i don't know if i agree with that anymore it was damn good it's delicious we'll definitely have to do peerless sometime oh that's gonna be a great episode yeah Let, let's buy bottles made by this guy though in case the new guy isn't good <laughs> yeah all right so that's it for industry news and now we have legal news From the Whiskey Raiders, now it's Diageo's turn to face the fungus. Oh, shit. Yeah, echoing a story that we reported back in April about a property-owning couple in Tennessee getting a court to halt the construction of a Jack Daniels rickhouse because of a black fungus, Spirits Behemoth Diageo is now in a similar predicament. Thomas and Gail Chalmers, a couple in Scotland, have won the right to sue Spirits conglomerate Diageo over claims that the emissions from their Bonnie Bridge facilities have resulted in a black fungus staining the couple's property. Oh, Bonnie Bridge, the black, the black moss is forming. Oh, my God. Until we die from your... 
Holy shit. The crickets are overwhelmed. Overtime. They didn't know they were working tonight. <laughs> it's, uh, they should have. It's just us on the news. They didn't know. And it's not even a Saturday. <laughs> we're doing this midweek because we got stuff to do this weekend. Anyway. Called- There's no reason you can't drink on a Wednesday night, America. That's true. Called Bordoinia Compnia Census. Oh, shit. Wow. I don't know, know you were trilingual. <laughs> Cunnilingual. I'll try anything. <laughs> Three times. Anything uh, lingual, we know. <laughs> the so far deemed harmless but sooty-looking black fungus that resembles toxic black mold mm-hmm. feeds off ethanol emissions from whiskey distilleries. Essentially, the ethanol that evaporates off barrels of aging whiskey yeah. is like a flying sugary treat for the fungus. Once consumed, it turns on a certain protein in the fungus that makes it more virulent and significantly harder to get rid of. Disappointed in the ruling, Diageo's lawyers continue to strongly dispute the Chalmers claims and are considering their options to appeal the ruling. Meanwhile, the Chalmers are on their third power washer and once again have to paint the garden fence. Well, the Chalmers, I will bring them back in history to the days of prohibition. Mm-hmm. In regions of Kentucky, people who didn't produce whiskey in their barns would still paint their barns black to cover up the telltale signs of this right. fungus that existed even back during the days of prohibition. I know. And so instead of being all neighborly like they were back in prohibition times, the Chalmers. <laughs> aren't willing to paint their fence and house black evidently to be team player for the Diageo and their trees and their cars and, and their, their house trees and their children. <laughs> their children well you can't do their children you can't do that because, you can't do that right. now you could do that back in Prohibition no how I love a how I love a mammy you can't do it now I can't do it now I, I was making fun of it right I, I want to say that Scott and I have never performed the <laughs> podcast in blackface nor would we no but getting back to the black fungus yeah. as you said in prohibition times this is not a new phenomenon so I don't know mm-hmm. how these whiskey companies can say that they're not at fault for this that's a great point this is their fault right, why aren't they just quietly sending them 20 grand or 30 grand yeah, whatever they need to shut up this like, is what we said about the Jack right, Daniels just thing show up it's part of doing business right just show up and just make it go away what you don't want is the article where you're picking on the Chalmers I mean, I made fun of the Chalmers, but if that was my house, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah. It looks bad when a company like, again, the size of Diageo, which is even bigger than Brown Foreman, to be honest, and and you're picking on the Chalmers. I know. I know. Exactly. You know, Ted and Stacy Chalmer. (laughs) No, no, it's uh, Thomas and Gail. Oh, all right. Thomas and Gail. Like, these are people that we could know, and then you're Diageo. That's right. You're the evil empire. You might as well be Comcast. I know. It's like Marty and Rachel. Like, if they're proper. It was all right. black as a fungus. Right. We wouldn't be like, well, you know, you drink their whiskey. Uh, you know, you bought their tickets. I say let them crash. <laughs> all right. So the uh, last story in legal news before we get to true crime. Oh, we love true crime. Yeah. From the spirits business, Sazerac wins a court battle over counterfeits. This mm. is crazy. Buffalo Trace owner Sazerac has won its case against Allocated Liquor, a distribution company that resells brands of alcohol online, which sold 10 $300 gift sets of miniature bottles of counterfeit whiskey labeled as W.L. Weller on the popular arts and crafts site Etsy. So there are three problems with this. Allocated Liquor does not now nor has ever had a distribution agreement with Sazerac. Two, W.L. Weller isn't sold nor has ever been sold in miniature bottles. And three, Etsy is not nor has ever been a lawful distributor of alcoholic beverages and in fact prohibits the sale of alcohol on its site. Yeah. Upon discovering the fake whiskey, Sazerac filed suit against allocated liquor citing trade infringement, counterfeiting, false designation of origin, and unfair competition alleging that the miniature bourbons offered for sale were nearly identical imitations of genuine Weller-branded products, just smaller. Sazerac also submitted evidence that its customers were actually 
confused after some people actually contacted Buffalo Trace seeking to purchase additional Weller miniature bottles. Although statutory damages of up to $400,000 were sought, the court ordered Allocated Liquor to pay only $30,000, which was about 10 times their gross, and remove all alcohol products from Etsy and all Sazerac products, including Weller, from their own website. Well, yeah, I mean, fuck them. Those people. I know. Not Weller. And it's just rare that you find me on the side of Buffalo Trace. I will say that. <laughs> right. It's, it's a weird feeling for me. It's like, I feel like I'm rooting for the Dallas Cowboys right it's now. It's half the reason I did this. <laughs> it's like, holy <laughs> shit. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. But I just want to show people how, how true we are. Like, yeah, I'm trolling. This is fucked up. Like, to do this to some company because of the people out there. Like, I don't know what the hell was in those miniature WL Weller bottles. Right, right. I'm assuming it wasn't WL Weller. Was so not. what the fuck was it? And, yeah. you know, if you go online today right now, get on your phones, there are empty bottles being sold of Pappy Van Winkle. Yep. Of George T. Stagg, of Weller Foolproof, that people can fill with something else and repurpose and sell. And if you get burned, I really don't feel bad for you because, you know, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. We've been over this. You are like psychic today because the first story in true crime is about exactly that. All right. <laughs> so here we go. In true crime. Uh, from Inside Hook, man caught selling $36,000 of fake pappy. Oh. That could be, what, six bottles? (laughs) Yeah, right. Counterfeiting continues to be an issue in the world of whiskey as a California man has been ordered to pay more than $36,000 in restitution after buying empty Pappy Van Winkle bottles online, filling them with cheap whiskey, and selling them overseas for a huge markup. Sandeep Minhas bought the bottles on eBay between May 2018 and February 2019, refilled them with a, quote, foreign substance, and sold them to two auction houses in the UK who paid him a five-figure sum over multiple shipments. Experts believe that the consumer demand and ignorance play a large part in the increasing number of counterfeit whiskey scams. Indeed, as Adam Hers, a whiskey collector in Los Angeles, recently said, part of the problem is the culture around bourbon, where it's about bragging rights and being able to Instagram a bottle that you just bought, and any good con man knows how to take advantage of someone else's greed so until robot noses or rapid authenticity tests are made available to whiskey fans if a bourbon deal seems too good to be true it probably is other red flags include websites located in foreign countries offering unusually low prices buffalo trace itself suggests reporting bad actors to the better business bureau or your state's attorney general's office while also contacting your credit card company about its fraud protection policies you know it's interesting like of course i want to say that i'm completely against fraudulent whiskey that's just everything wrong with the industry but i I remember I was watching like an antique roadshow thing and someone had like a Babe Ruth signed bat or something. It's been in their family for like 60 years and they loved it. Yeah. It was just such a great thing passed down from the grandfather to the father to the son. The son took it to get appraised. Turned out the signature was fake. And I saw how <laughs> disappointed he was. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh, you know, for 40 years, it didn't matter that it was fake. Yeah. Like the family enjoyed having it. And so, like, if you buy a pappy and drink it and you're too stupid to know the difference, then what was the difference? You got what you wanted out of the experience between your ears. Yeah. Interesting. That doesn't mean it should be allowed. I'm just saying that it's almost like <laughs> like Schroeder's cat. The Schroeder, right. Right. Schroeder's <laughs> cat. It's alive and dead. It's alive and dead. It's real and fake at the same time. Until you open it and taste it, you don't know. So It's a quantum whiskey. That's <laughs> right. right. It's quantum whiskey. That's an interesting take because I feel sort of the opposite. I think if you don't know what you're are buying yeah. and you get tricked into paying five thousand dollars for a fake bottle of pappy and you find out that it's fake well then fuck you it's your fault i said it earlier I, yeah the last story i yeah, said definitely that. I'm like you're part of the problem i said that but because it is about owning it not enjoying it i know i know so the next story that we have in true crime from radar online alcohol related crimes soar in russia following the ukrainian invasion 
Coming nearly 15 months after Russia first launched its forces against hmm. Ukraine, newly released crime statistics have revealed that both alcohol abuse and alcohol-related crimes have reached, quote, record levels within Russia. Hmm. Dmitry Kobakov, who serves as the deputy prosecutor of the Russian Republic of Buryatia, wow. stated in a recent interview that nearly 5,000 alcohol-related crimes have taken place in his jurisdiction alone since Putin's conflict against Ukraine started in February 2022. Scott, what's alcohol-related crimes? Can you explain that to the public? <laughs> in fact, almost 95% of murders and over 60% of attempted murders in the past were committed while the perpetrator was intoxicated. In addition, according to recently released crime statistics, more than 100 cases of arson have also taken place due to intoxication, resulting in over 40 deaths. This is just in the one province of Russia. Well, together, drink vodka, which is basically gasoline. Right. This rise in alcohol-related crimes is being blamed on both the shortcomings of Russian police as well as the huge black market for alcohol that was created after Putin prohibited its sale in 20 Russian regions last year. But the black market happened anyway, like just like prohibition. Right. I, exactly. Didn't he look what happened here? If you outlaw something everybody wants, you've just made criminals of honest citizens and right. the criminals rich. Man, a lot of uh, stuff happened because of that invasion. Yeah. It's a dumb war. I think it makes Russia look really bad. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> this is not a political podcast, but no, I'm just saying as, really a, ex, as an ex-history ex teacher. Yeah. I mean, Ukraine's got 44 million people, which is not a tiny country, but it's not Russia. Russia used to have some swagger about them, right? Like, you figured if Russia was going to come at you and they were planning to invade you and they had time to prepare, they would run right over you. But that's not what happened. Yeah. And so I wonder how this plays out. Like, what's the end game here? I feel like both sides need to figure out what the end game is. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not a long war. Like, think how many dumbass wars we've been in. They last a hell of a lot longer than 15 months. <laughs> That's true. So if Russia wants to keep this going, for them, I mean, they were in Afghanistan doing the same dumb shit we did before we did it. Like they didn't learn from their lesson or our lesson. The French did what we did in Vietnam before we did it. We didn't learn from that. No, I know. It's amazing how many people. Everybody thinks that they can they do can it. Do it. Yeah. Right. All right. So the last story in true crime and the last story that we have before we get to the new whiskeys is uh, from Japan Today. Ooh, Nishiwa. Uh, yeah. Old man assaults liquor store employees while stealing whiskey. <laughs> uh, did, uh, did I make it to Japan this weekend? I, I'm sure that's not in like Ben Salkin. Yeah, older than you. And, uh, also, probably a lot thinner. Just saying. Well, based on the Japanese component? <laughs> yeah, it's based on so Japanese. That seems an unnecessary thing to bring up. I mean, the bit, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. 90% of the country of Japan would be thinner than you. Late last month, police in yeah. Nagano City, Japan, arrested a... No, I'm not done with this yet. I'm not done with this yet. Oh, oh you're not? Except oh. for the sumo culture, right? Well... And I will tell you this. I yeah. see the sumo wrestlers over there with some pretty hot chicks. Yes. Which they're makes celebrities. Which wonder, if I go over there, well, would I have had to have been a sumo? Yeah. Or can I just look like a sumo? Mm. And do I have to wear, you, the, to wear the thong thing? Uh, I think I'd look hard in that if I had a shirt on. <laughs> no, a, but what you could say is that you were an ex-sumo. Right. Exumo, Exumo right. wrestler from yeah. the United States. Had I gone over there in my twenties, I'm gonna. I think they would have thrown me out of the ring like a bag of rice. <laughs> to be honest, they're, they're, they're really strong. They're really dense. Unlike me, they intentionally gain weight. I've been trying to lose weight since I was eleven. <laughs> I'm just a natural. Right. Okay, so late last month, police in Nagano City, Japan, arrested a 74-year-old man on suspicion of stealing a bottle of whiskey from a convenience store and assaulting employees as they tried to stop him. Teruo Iwakaru, of no fixed address, came into the store, picked up a 1,500-yen bottle of whiskey, which is about 11 bucks, mm -hmm. and left the store without paying. When two store employees followed and called out for him to stop, Iwakara punched both in the stomach several times before he was subdued. This is a 74-year-old man. some drunken kung fu master. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, right. like one of the movies, like drunken style. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
police said that when they arrived at the scene, they found that the two employees were not seriously injured, but also that Irokuru was intoxicated. I mean, what's the Japanese word for duh? First of all, back in the day, you weren't even allowed to have homeless and beggars in Japan. During the Shogun era, that was punishable by death. So if I have seen a lot of like webcams in Japan. It is one of the cleanest countries I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah. There's, there's very low There's many, there. many webcams in Tokyo where you just have a view of the street. There's not even a cigarette butt, and they all smoke. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that during when you talk about whiskeys. Oh, you want to talk drink. about this? When we get to the whiskeys, we're drinking something which I think is really, really special from a company that we've kind of passed by because their common stuff is pretty pedestrian. And we'll come back to this particular one when we're done the last story. Oh, uh, well, that was the last story. Oh, good. New uh, whiskey. Oh, yeah, new now, whiskey. So now we're going to do the new whiskeys you can buy this month. Right, great. And so you can buy this if you go to England, evidently. I don't know if you can get this here. Yeah, a friend of mine went to England and he brought me back this bottle. So yeah, so this is the Bushmills, the number three char bourbon cask. Single malt Irish whiskey, triple distilled, because they all are. And this one's part of the Steenship collection, which Ooh, I don't know what that is. But Steenship. It is just a delicious Irish whiskey. Compared to their regular one, I think this one is a lot better. Yeah, what do you it, think, Scott? It, it, it's delicious. It's a deeper color, mm. not only that, but you absolutely can taste the bourbon influence absolutely, on, yeah. on this Irish whiskey because like you yeah. said regular Bushmills is just kind of generic it's and very thin. light it's and very thin. thin and kind of apple and stuff like that yeah. this has got more of a caramel vanilla to it and a little bit more of a pepper actually a yeah almost like a cooked apple yeah. rather than just right. like a fresh exactly. green apple and once again it's the, the number three char bourbon cask is what we're looking for right. you might be able to get some bottles over here I have no idea maybe none yeah. of it gets over here but this was sure. from England yeah. and so maybe we're drinking something that you'll never get so you know <laughs> nanana boo boo it's our pappy <laughs> okay so all the new whiskeys that you can buy this month, the first one on the list is Barton's 1792 12-year oh. bourbon. Right. Now, I have. I think I've had this once. Yeah. So, Barton's is a brand that discontinued its eight-year age statement in 2013 and reintroduced a 12-year age statement as an annual release in 2019, and this is their 2023 batch. It is 12 years age, of course. It's 96.6 proof. The mash is not disclosed, but it's about 20% rye-ish. Uh -huh. Caramel, milk chocolate, nougat, rye, spice, dry charred oak, mixed nuts, graham crackers, and cocoa nibs. MSRP is 60 bucks. Right. And if you can find that at 60 bucks, I say, please drink that all day. For a 12 year. Yeah. So the next one we have is uh, Bib and Tucker. They put out a double char bourbon. We haven't talked about Bib and Tucker too much on this podcast. We haven't done Bib and Tucker since we went to the original tasting, which was around 197 episodes ago. Yeah. It was. It was. Or recordings ago. It was episode three. Yeah. Right. I remember buying it because it comes in that really cool bottle. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's like, really cool. It comes in a bottle. looks like you found it in your uncle's barn. And, and the first time I opened it and I drank it and I thought, it was a pour out i hated it wow and in fact i did pour it out because i kept trying i kept making right. cocktails over it and it was terrible he poured it out of his nuts he had a little tingle out of it <laughs> didn't want to waste it completely false well okay maybe maybe <laughs> once that's so demented. What's wrong with you? You are demented. However, at that tasting on episode three that we talked about it, mm -hmm. uh, I came around on it. Like yeah. I tasted it there and it yeah. was really good. And we speculated that it was possibly just a different product at that point because it was a few years between the two times that it had tasted them. So they have a six, a 10 and a 12 year bourbon expressions now, Bibb and Tucker does. Uh, this is their double oat expression, which is six years in a new charred oak, then additional five months in a heavily charred sugar maple smoked barrel. It Ooh. also goes under the... I hope it had bacon in there, too. <laughs> it also undergoes the Lincoln County process before it's barreled, where it's filtered through the sugar maple charcoal. Mm. It's only 88 proof. The mash bill is 70% corn, 26% rye, 4% malted barley, described as a smoky sweet barbecue in a bottle with an underlying savory meatiness and a fair amount of wood spice. The MSRP is 55 
I think they're trying, and I think I agree with Scott, their novelty was their bottle when they first came out. And I think now they realize we have to really work on what's inside the bottle. And yeah. they've been doing that. So I yeah. give them credit. Following on the heels of our Blackened Rye Whiskey Showdown, which came out just last week, Blackened 72 Seasons Limited Edition. So Metallica has now released a whiskey in honor of their new album called 72 Seasons. Yes, I saw of, that. Blend of bourbons and ryes from multiple North American sources, so probably some Canadian rye in there, finished in Spanish black brandy casks and exposed to songs from the 72 Seasons album for up to 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. 90 proof, no age statement, Mash is not disclosed. Uh, tasting notes are honey, cinnamon, allspice, dark fruit, clove, and mint with hints of butterscotch, taffy, and maple. The MSRP is 50. Yeah, I saw it in the store. It was very reasonable. Yeah. Cool bottle, too. Very, yeah. Yeah. Black and yellow, the, the whole aesthetic. We'll grab it the next couple months for sure. All right. So the next one is Breckenridge. Ooh. We're going to do. Oh, we're going to do an episode, episode of Breckenridge. Breckenridge. We're going to do Breckenridge. They are long overdue. They have a whole section yeah. of just Breckenridge and yeah. rum finished and double barreled and all these different ages and single barrels right yeah and that's gonna be episode 67 coming out in september so the breckenridge px naranya cask finished bourbon so this is the third entry in breckenridge's annual collector's art series it's four to six years aged plus two months in pedro jimenez so that Narana is a fortified orange wine. Ooh, that, yeah. that sounds interesting. Yeah, so that's... Being a Grand Meunier fan that I am. Yeah. Uh, 98 proof, 56% corn, 38% rye, and 6% malted barley. Syrupy with orange peel, as you might imagine. Honey, sure. raisin, brown sugar, fig, cherry, buttercream, light pepper, and sweet nectarines. The MSRP is 125 yeah, I know. Four to six years, it's a special thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, it's not crazy at 125. I would love it at 90. Yeah. Just a little bit Even more. 100. Yeah. Yeah. A little like, bit. I can't crucify him for 125. Right. If it was 175, oh, I'd be yeah. like, you guys are ridiculous. You guys are nuts. <laughs> the next one we have is Blue Note Special Reserve Cask Finished Series. Ooh. Listen to what this is. Seven bourbons from three mash bills ranging in age from four to 19 years that were individually finished in American white oak, cognac, Madeira, port, sherry, and vino de naranja that we just talked about barrels for up to three additional years then blended and bottled together at for cask For $1 million. <laughs> so the total age is between seven and 22 years. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't imagine what this costs. It's 112.5 proof. Nice. The mash bill is not disclosed because of all those yeah, crazy mash bills. Yeah, it's impossible to disclose. Yeah, astringent aged oak, dark cherries, raspberries, black currants, allspice, leather, cigar box, and butterfinger candy bar. Nice. Only 2,100 bottles are have been oh produced. Can I guess? Yeah. Can I guess? Go ahead. <sighs> 350. Lower. Is it? Yeah. 200. 225. Oh, that is not crazy for that. Yeah, I, I don't that's think that's not so crazy. It's not something that Scott and I would normally dance with. It's just a lot of money for us, and we buy a lot of whiskey. But yeah. this sounds know. like something special. But I will say this: I would like it one seventy-five. Blending seven whiskeys together sounds sexy and crazy. I know that this is summer twenty years. That could be like ten drops. You have no idea how much is in there. Okay, the scarcity is what adds fifty dollars right to that. Yeah, and they're all finished in all those different ones. Right. Yeah. Here's the best part. Yeah, we've been reached out to by Blue Note to get samples of this because this would be amazing to right do because i will say this when you finish each whiskey in a different barrel now you're putting the work in it exactly and so, then you have to blend all those things together right. all those disparate taste right. profiles together to, to something that's not a hot mess we've had a very good experience with blue note three years ago i had no idea that there was a company called blue note 
but I can share with you that if you're at the store and you see their regular old juke joint, which is like, what, $40? Yeah, yeah. Get it. Yeah. It's a very beautiful drinking whiskey. All right. So the next whiskey that we have coming out this month is Forbidden Bourbon. Oh, my God. I bet I'll drink that because I'm a rebel. <laughs> it's for the girls out there. I drink Forbidden Bourbon because, you know, no one tells me what to do. <laughs> this is the first whiskey produced by Marianne Eves under her own brand, formerly of Castle and Key, where she had become the first female master distiller in Kentucky since Prohibition. Five years aged, it's 95.2 proof. There's no mash bill, but it is weeded bourbon. Vanilla creme brulee with nutmeg, clove, coffee, and an oily sweetness like molasses, finishing with orange peels and spiced caramel. Caramel latte. The MSRP is one twenty nine. I mean, it seems a little hard. Yeah, it's a no for me, but God bless them. Yeah, I think it's cool that this is her first bourbon under her own brand. How many bottles is that? The thing? It's like it's like a boutique, super boutique. I don't know. When you're putting out a small release, like twenty one hundred bottles or even ten thousand bottles, you got to price it to break even. We saw this with Chicken Cock. Yeah, had a short release of their rye, which yeah. was really good. Yeah, ended up being close to two hundred. So it's like no for most people, but yes for people who also want that elite experience. It's a delicious whiskey. All right, so the next one we have. This is awesome. Oh, excitement for Scott. Yeah. Scott just turned to me with a look of glee. I did. So here we go. The Four Roses 10 Recipe Tasting Set. Shut your mouth. Yeah. So as we've covered on the podcast previously, Four Roses uses two bourbon mash bills and five yeast strains to create 10 different expressions that are then blended together in various combinations to create all of their whiskeys. Right. The single barrel. Then they have the small batch, which is four. Mm -hmm. And then the small batch select, which is six different. Right. And so you're saying this was 10? Oh, so this is a set where you can taste all 10, all available together for the first time in a set of 50 milliliter bottles. There's no age statement. It's 104 proof. The two mash bills are 60% corn, 35% rye, 5% malted barley, and 70% corn, 20% rye, 5% malted barley. The 10 50 milliliter bottle set. So we're talking about 500 milliliters, two thirds of a bottle. Yeah. I think for that experience. And this has never been available before. And scarcity, I would go 100. 130. So <laughs> each of the airplane bottles is $13. Right. Now we've all bought airplane bottles for one reason or another. I will tell you right now, I saw a small batch select from them. In the small bottle? Yes. Yeah. And what it was, was $6.99. Seven bucks. Okay. And I was like, that's kind of high for an airplane bottle. <laughs> yeah. So you're doubling that. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing to get it and then we could just compare them, like how different they are from each other. I mean, we should almost see if we can get one. I know. They've never let me down. Yeah. So this is a way to taste each of their 10 expressions that they don't put out. They don't put out these expressions. Mm -hmm. One of them they do as a single barrel. They're like a Catholic grown product. Yeah. But the other nine- They don't put out. The other nine we've never tasted on their own. I would absolutely pay 130 for this. So can we reach out to them about getting a sample? I mean, we might be able to buy one. Like, these are available now. No, I want them to give it to us. (laughs) Okay. I mean, we've given them so much free advertising. Give me contact. Okay, I will. All right, so we have three more whiskeys. All right, let's go. And then we close out. Heaven's Door, Decade Series Straight Rye. I saw somebody online straight hate on them. Really? They said that the basic Heaven's Door bourbon was a pour out for them. Oh. And I was like, that's harsh. And the guy said this. He goes, what's worse, his music or his whiskey? I'm going his whiskey. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, you're just a hater. Go ahead, Scott. All right, so this Heaven's Door Decade Series Straight Rye. This new rye release follows the triumph of their inaugural Decade Series bourbon, which received double gold at this year's San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It's 10 years aged, hence why they call it 
decade. Right. It's 100 proof, 95.5 rye, likely MGP, but it's purportedly a blend of dozens of different 10-year barrels. Tasting notes are bananas, apple candy, tannic licorice. Your bananas. Your orange honey, molasses, deep vanilla, and caramel with a dash of bitterness. The MSRP is 100. I think $100 is fair for that. I really do. I do too. I'm not going to hate on that. It could be 80. Oh, right. Of course. But You're like it's 100 bucks and we know people that spend $40 on whiskey and that's it. By the way, you can live a great life at $40. Mm-hmm. You really can. Or... <laughs> you can spend a little more. Or spend a little more. Get a little bit more flavor. You a little know, bit more proof. You know, it was... More excitement. Finished it, barrels. Right. Staves. I had the 1792. Fingers in your butt. And it was... <laughs> It was delicious. What? Yeah, fingers in the butt cost extra. Trust me, I know. But I bought another whiskey, which is Scott's birthday present in September. He doesn't know it yet, but I bought it. And after I drank the 1792 foolproof at 125, which was delicious, I took a sip of this. And this was like having a shelf of flavor in my mouth. Mm. I can't wait to get it. And it's so complex. I encourage Scott when I give it to him to taste it side by side with something that's pedestrian. And you can really tell the difference. Mm the mystery bottle that I bought Scott, which you can find out about in September. All right. Two more whiskeys. Old Pulteney, the Coastal Series. This is a scotch. What the fuck is that? You just made that up. No. Scott's making up whiskeys, everybody. I'm not. So this is another one that we actually did get a sample of. No. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. No, I just got it today. Shut it up. just came today. Scott's working behind my back to get samples. Working <laughs> behind the scenes, bro. He's an alcoholic. He's like an addicted gambler. Like at night, he's just getting samples by my back and drinking them. <laughs> no, no. They never make it to the podcast. I would, I would never do that. So this is Old Pulteney, the Coastal Series. So this is a collection of single malt scotches that comprise four exciting new whiskeys matured in seaside cast. The first of which is an expression created with Pinot de Charente casks, the iconic aperitif from the Charente Maritime region in France. It's 10 years aged, 92 proof, 100% malted barley, a sweet and light notes of candied oranges, warm spices, and creamy vanilla, caramelized hazelnuts, and ground spices before slowly tapering off to a savory coastal minerality. The MSRP is 80. Oh. And we're going to do it on a quick taste and perhaps talk to the master distiller. We'll, we'll taste it for him. Yeah. So you didn't tell me they even reached out to you. I did. No, it's, you didn't. I did. No. <laughs> Philip. I, I'm pretty sure I would have remembered. I'm pretty sure I remembered that. <laughs> if a scotch reached out to us. I don't remember that on the weekly meetings. <laughs> I probably said it to you while you were drunk and you were Well, to me, that's a catch-all. <laughs> like anytime you want to not tell me stuff, you just say, oh, I told you that last Tuesday when you were drunk. Well, you know why? Because you're always drunk. Well, define always. <laughs> Where's the lie? The lie is on top of you when I bury you in the oh, backyard for shit. being such a dick. Random belligerence. It's a whore edition. All right, you you've had too much to drink. I'm gonna put. All I have these not. Bottles. I'm gonna put all these bottles over here. I have not had too much to drink. I, how dare you? <laughs> okay, so the last one that we have, the Milam and Green Very Small Batch Straight Bourbon, batch number one. This is the fast-growing female-fronted distillery's first very small batch, which we actually got to taste at a Banash tasting event just a few weeks ago. It's yep. a blend of 20% Kentucky bourbon, 80% Tennessee bourbon. The Kentucky's mash bill is 70% corn, 22% malted rye, 8% malted barley, and the Tennessee's mash bill is 80% corn, 10% rye, 10% malted barley. They're all aged over four years, plus five months of finishing with French oak staves. The proof is 108. Toasted pecans, creme brulee, baking spices, tobacco, leather, marshmallow, graham cracker, and tart 
Raspberry Jam. The MSRP is 70. Mm-hmm. And as I said, we got that taste that at the Manash tasting event and we met Marlene Holmes, the master distiller. What a great night it was. We both got a bottle of the bourbon and rye. I bought a single barrel. Yeah. Uh, she was amazing. Oh, yeah, she I was mean, great. You know, she has 20 years experience with um, being some Tory and then she moved to Texas and she's doing great work down there. Just a very gifted woman, incredibly likable and approachable. We got to taste five different expressions of theirs. Yes. We, it was an unabridged bourbon, the very small batch that we just talked about, the rye, the single barrel bourbon that you uh, bought in addition because you liked it so much, right. and then their triple cask. Yeah, uh, we're looking to connect with her down the road for the whiskey coming up in January. We'll be focusing on women yeah. in the whiskey industry because it's always been a gentleman's club and not anymore. All right, so that's it. That's all the whiskeys that are available this month that we wanted to tell you about. I mean, there's dozens right. more, but, you know. And once again, part of the news is we did just pass our 200th podcast. We did. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. We thank the Neat Glass for their support. Thank you. Um, we thank Port for their support, just thank in general, you. to finish our whiskeys and to... <laughs> who doesn't like a nice port every now and then? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, 200 podcast publications. It's a testament to... Um, Scott, really. I mean, <laughs> he keeps us moving and focused and planned. I mean, I do things, but you know, I'm involved in what we're going to do and when we're doing it, but I couldn't say enough about how Scott has helped us achieve this through COVID, through health problems that I went through. Thank God I came through pretty good. But the point is, when you have a passion for something and you have pride in something, this is what we do. We don't jet ski. Right. We, we don't parasail. We put the podcast out. And so I didn't have a chance to do this on our 200th because we have guests on. But to Scott, thanks for all you do. Thank you for uh, saying those kind words. I could not do this without you, even though I do a lot of work preparation-wise for the podcast. But the podcast doesn't really come alive unless you're here doing it well, with you. me. I mean, you can just tell from the news episodes, which yeah. we said a few times, that it's the best thing that we do oh, because it, yeah. it matches our strengths. Like, I'm really good with preparation and organization. And finding the stories. And finding the stories and reading them and triggering you to right. say certain things. Yep. But there's things that surprise me every time almost with every story with what you say because i, I never know that story just in this podcast alone you sure. said four stories that i would never have thought that you would have said and certainly i wouldn't have said them well thank you and while we're thanking people i want to thank our regular <laughs> co-host gave the whiskey sherpa just a great friend and a good sport because lord knows whenever he's not here i just get to tee off on him and he's <laughs> always got a good sense of humor about yeah. it he does sometimes almost drive off the road when he hears it yeah. and siobhan is recovering from minor surgery i'm saying minor surgery because i don't alarm everybody she might be like mild like, <laughs> fuck you like <laughs> But I want to wish her a speedy recovery to, yes. her, to her surgery. She's doing well, and I hope she continues to be even better. And Anders, the master mixologist, Jeff and Sue and mm-hmm. Marty and Rachel and anybody I'm missing, I apologize. The ladies not been on for a while, but we'd love to have them back, even though Dre moved to Virginia as a betrayal. And, um, <laughs> it was a betrayal. Right. <laughs> D- Doug, who's already already trying to get us back to Doug's vault. Oh, and, uh, it's in Bugs Vault too. We haven't had another vault yet. I know, he's coming back. I, 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 I bought a hundred bottles since you've been here. So, listen, we're having a great time here. We have a very nice, steady group of fans who enjoy us. I don't know why there's not five thousand a day because I think there's a lot of whiskey drinkers, but we love what we do and we think we put out a good product. But we really thank the people who listen every week, and uh, thanks to Benash, absolutely, and once again, Cheers again, to Neat Glass for their support. Yeah, thank you all. 
All right. And now what's coming up for us? Yes. Next week is the 28th of July. There's no podcast. Go on vacation. Go to the beach, everybody, and listen to something old that you never heard. Right. Catch up. Because all of you have missed at least one. (laughs) Except you, Gabe. Don't start. (laughs) Gabe actually went back and listened to all of them again. Gabe, you're my hero. I know. He's great. So the first week of August, August 4th, we're going to have episode 66, a deep distillery dive on New Riff, which we've never done no. anything. I don't think we barely mentioned them No, the we podcast. bump into New Riff every now and then, and we're like, oh, that's not bad. That's pretty good. And then we're like, finally, we're like, you know what we should Let's do? Let's do it. it. We're going to bring a buddy of mine, my friend Andy and his son Drew, right? that I've known for many, many years. and um, They're big fans. Big fans. We've drank with them in the world, but we've never drank with them on the podcast. That's right. So we're going to bring them on. It'd be great to have them. And it's going to be great to have some new blood in. All right. So the next week after that is the 11th of August. We're doing a quick taste of a new multiple Ascot award-winning spirit called Hemingway Rye. This is perfect for me because I was an English major and I love whiskey. So Hemingway Rye, that's why it was an impulse buy for me. Uh, The next week after that, we'll be right back here doing the August news on the 18th. And so for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I want to thank you for joining us for another edition of Whiskey Tangent News. I'm Ed. I'm Scott. Uh, Cheers, everybody. And... Find some fun this summer. Later. Later.